Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chair backs. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience. And many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from, uh, the fourth floor. Again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Good evening, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. A little different than the normal routine because I'm here and Keith is in parts unknown. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Traveling uh, across the fine highways of Florida as we speak. Can we disclose exact location or is that classified information? Uh, It's not classified as we speak. I'm about 20 miles south of Perry. How about that? Well, slow down because they like to catch folks that are going a little too fast in those parts. Oh, I'm doing it even better. I'm pulled off on the side of the road, safe as can be. Well, and hopefully all our listeners are as well as they digest another edition of Front Row Knowles. Not sure uh, if the word is digest or, or indigest, uh, as in indigestion. Indigestion based. would yes. be the word, indigestion. Yeah, it's been a tough three-week stretch. I have thawed out from uh, South Bend, so that is the good news. Uh, and had some new mutters. Our listeners need to know you had new footwear on. It was quite uh, quite uh, the fashion statement. I did. They're now back in the closet. I'll pull them out again in six years when we return to South Bend or, or wherever we next go, where it might be mud, snow, rain, ice, sleet, whatever. So, you know, reflecting back, Keith, we do this uh, because not immediately after the game, but shortly after the game, you and I commiserate, and we uh, call it Front Row Knowles First Look. Uh, and then we get, you know, a three- or four-day cooling-off period, and we do this again, which is right now. And and in reflecting back, I don't know that anybody expected Florida State really to fare well at Notre Dame. So the end result was they didn't fare well. Yet it is added to the angst because this is three straight weeks. So where are you right now? I'm at the same point that I was, believe it or not, at the Miami game about a quarter and a half in where I'm looking up at the scoreboard and I can't believe what I'm seeing, but it's the reverse of what I'm seeing. It's the reverse of Groundhog Day. I remember looking up the scoreboard in Notre Dame, and we were down 17 to nothing. And I'm going, I, I, I remember the scoreboard from Miami, and I couldn't believe it because we were ahead. And now I'm looking at the scoreboard for Notre Dame, and I can't believe it because we're behind. And, and both are reality. Both is what exactly happened. Is that weird, or, or is that just me? No, I get what you're saying. I'm trying to there, – there's so many variables to try to assess at this point. One of them being Notre Dame had its backup quarterback in there. I mean, just in comparing Clemson to NC State and Notre Dame, it feels to me like Clemson is head and shoulders above Notre Dame. I mean, would you agree with that, or is that not necessarily accurate? I I would agree with how they've played, including the game against Florida State. They may not be head and shoulders above Florida State with the way they performed against us, uh, as bad as that sounds, but certainly I've seen enough of their play to know that that they should beat Notre Dame, you know, eight out of ten, nine out of ten times if they played ten times over the course of a, of a time frame. Yeah, and maybe that's what makes things more disappointing. I didn't walk out of there feeling like Notre Dame was world beaters, yet I looked at the scoreboard and it continues to resonate how lopsided it was. Yeah, I was actually surprised when I looked at the final statistics. I knew that Notre Dame had run the ball well, uh, but I didn't know that they had a rusher over 200 yards and had well over 300 yards in total rushing because we just hadn't seen Florida State's defense give that up. I guess here's the part that's hard to assess. When you look at the offense, Florida State ran the ball a little bit better, yet there wasn't a huge sample size because they were so far behind. So did they run the ball better because of scheme or something they figured out or because Notre Dame didn't have the box stacked because they were playing to defend the pass? You know, I guess only the staff could tell us. 
uh, based on what we've heard through three days of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Coach Taggart at least represented that he felt like the running attack had improved. But in fact, because they got so far behind so early, they were unable to maintain it. Um, so if that is an accurate assessment, you'd have to say that the game, the running game improved a little bit. They just didn't have the opportunity to build upon it. So let's turn the page to Boston College because we know what looking back at the last three weeks looks like. And so BC comes in, they're favorites. Florida will be favorites. Boston College is good. They've got a veteran offensive line. I like their head coach. They're always scrappy. They always get the most out of what their parts are. And that's my experience across the board, regardless of sport. You've probably seen that in basketball, too. I've seen it in soccer and women's basketball and baseball and other sports I've called over the years. So, totally agree. Totally agree. Maybe that's the frust- the biggest reason for the frustration over the last couple of years. Because you're going to have Boston College on one side who they have their parts and their end product is much greater than the sum of the parts. And that's not where we've been with FSU. We've been 180 degrees opposite from that. And that's not to say that the sum of the parts right now should be a national champion. But it just feels like, and last year and the year before, it should be better than what the end result has been. Well, and one of the things that you've started hearing certainly this week, and maybe it was raising its head a little bit last week, is that Florida State is a quote-unquote poorly coached team right now. And that goes into what you're speaking about a staff, regardless of the sport, being able to find a way to get the most out of the talent that they have. Up until, let's say, last week, certainly this week, um, poor coaching had not come into the equation, at least not from a dominant perspective. But you're certainly hearing about it now. And and I think that there's legitimacy to it, given the fact that it's not just one or two idle or wild voices saying, how can this continue over a three-week period? And what, what, if anything, does Coach Taggart need to address, A, immediately, which probably isn't much, or B, long-term, in terms of either assignments or, or, or folks who actually are filling those positions as coaches, given the fact, back to your point, that Boston College seems to get the best out of their kids, even though the sum of the parts certainly on paper wouldn't equal the talent level that Florida State has. Well, let's talk about the the coaching aspect for for a second. I mean, certainly nobody's going to say this is an A-plus job, obviously, and you can always find fault. I do think that when we look in the rearview mirror, it's easier to find fault. We do this with play calling all the time. Well, that was a terrible call because it didn't work. And so, you know, or that was was a terrible scheme because it didn't work. Sometimes it's good scheme by the other folks. I think in the macro sense, we all knew that the second half of the schedule was going to be much more difficult. And if you look at the last three weeks – including NC State on the road with a senior quarterback, but more to the point, two top five teams. I mean, I'm sure I haven't gone back and compared schedules, but, you know, when's the last time Florida State played three teams that caliber at any point recently? And I'm probably, a, miss, that, yeah. I'm probably missing very, something. But, I mean, I think it's fair to look at this Clemson team and suggest, now I know there was a national champion Clemson team, but this, that's probably the best ACC opponent FSU has faced since they've joined the ACC. Would not disagree with that, particularly given how, and it's not that it's improved, but, but given how Lawrence was able to distribute the ball being just a freshman, and certainly that defense with that front that you know all, all three or four of them are going to be first or second round draft choice. And then when you look at Notre Dame in terms of non-conference teams FSU has faced since joining the ACC, Obviously, you'd take some of the 90s Florida and Miami teams in there. You'd put Oklahoma when they played them a few years back. I mean, there's some others, but Notre Dame's going to be on the short list. The bottom line, we knew it was going to be a tough stretch of schedule. And I think we've reached the point where teams are just exploiting Florida State's weaknesses. That's not to excuse the coaching, but I do think that's part of it. Florida State's linebackers, uh, there hasn't been depth and there hasn't been a quality of talent for the last few years. And now that's getting exposed. Florida State's offensive line has not been good all year, and it's getting further magnified when you play better teams. That sounds obvious, uh, but I, I just feel like we shift. We get tired of talking about one thing, so we find something else to blame. Does that make sense? And, and again, that's a very fair assessment. Uh, I'm just raising the point that up until recently, coaching had not necessarily been one of the topics uh, that had been discussed. And of course, you know these sound like 
excuses, but, you know, Devontae Taylor hasn't played in two games. Nazaldine's got hurt, didn't play the majority of the Notre Dame game. You know, in addition to injuries on the offensive line, you're now being hit with what happens after you've played the 10th game and entering the 11th game just on a regular basis. And, and it's been a combination of a lot of different things that have all come together to make this a very, very disappointing year. Uh, that, you know, that, again, sounds like an excuse, but it's also a statement of fact. Somewhere in between, everybody's got to, you know, make their own mind up. Yeah, and nobody's going to – I mean, the special teams has been a mess all year long. I mean, nobody's going to suggest that that was the best coach segment. Uh, but quite truthfully, special teams was an abomination last year, too, for Florida State. Which We forget about that, don't we? Which, which doesn't – I mean, really, special teams has not been good since 2013 when Charles Kelly, ironically, was the special teams coordinator before he became everybody's least favorite defensive coordinator during his stint uh, in, that, uh, in that tenure. You know, sort of like Greg Fry is not as popular right now as he was before the season started, um, which speaks to every offensive line coach FSU's had going back to the late 80s probably. Um, and also a very fair assessment. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, all this stuff has been hashed, rehashed by everybody. So the bigger question is, can they find – let's not even look at winning two games. they got to find a way to win one. So we've built Boston College up as if they're the 85 Bears coming in here. And, yes, they're a really good football team. And, yeah, Florida State plays like they've been playing. They're going to see a similar result. But this is not the 85 Bears, and can they find a way to muster enough, I don't know if I want to say fortitude, want to, uh, discipline, all those things to at least, and, and it's twofold. Defensively, you want to see them hold up and not give up those big runs, but you can't fall behind 17 and 24 nothing because then the heads sink. So you got to find a way to, if BC scores in the first drive, well, find a way to match that score so that you don't punt and get down 14 nothing. Exactly, and exactly. And is it uh, protecting the bowl streak? Is it trying to protect the consecutive years without a losing record? Is it just personal pride? Is it we're going to do it for the coaching staff because they're now starting to be maligned? Are we just going to do it because we've been close and we know we're close and a little more effort and then a little more focus will get us over that hump? Or is it, you know, D, all of the above? Who knows? But the bottom line, is there is now no more room for error. It has to happen Saturday beginning at 3.30, or this season's going to be beyond dismal. Right now, you can finish it as a poor season. You lose these last two, and it becomes a dismal season. And, you know, the silver lining in that would be that it forces more changes, and it forces you to rethink and reassess everything. Uh, in other words... You look at last year, and Florida State finishes 7-6. and six. They win a few games at the end, albeit over poor competition, but maybe you don't think things are as bleak as what they are. If you finish this year 4-8 and eight and miss a bowl, uh, there's no getting around the fact that things are every bit as bad as they looked over the course of the year, and you have to sit back and say, is this the right coach? Is this the right player? Are we conducting practice the right way? Are we doing it the right time of day? Are we scouting ourselves and our opponent? I mean, all those questions are on the table. Probably should be well, anyway at, at six and six, but not at the, it's not as dire a conversation as it is when you're four and eight. And we've lived that because in the last years of the Bowden era, we were winning six and seven ball games, and not a lot of changes were being made, and we did that for three or four or five years. I'll opine personally regarding the bowl streak. I, I was thinking about this. First of all, this will pain you to hear me say it. It's not that the players, the current players don't care. I think they do care, but they simply don't have the lifespan to have a full appreciation to how many generations and how many years of players went into that bowl streak. Uh, now, that's not lost on the coaches. I just think on the play, it's much like last week when we played at Notre Dame and and Walt Bell told me in advance that you know the play, Notre Dame doesn't mean anything to the players because every school is on TV. UCF's on TV every week. You know, there's no difference in their mind. I'm talking about 18 to 22 year olds compared game to game day is at UCF this week. Right, right. So it's it's a lot different than than what we grew up on when Notre Dame was really the only show. So I don't think the bowl streak. Uh, I think it's a big deal. They don't want to lose it, but I don't think they truly appreciate it the way you do because you've got your blood and sweat into it. Even though you weren't on teams that started the bowl streak, you laid the foundation for it. 
I do. And, I, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. There's no question. I, I also think that you know, right now, if you look at it in history, Florida State already owns the lo- longest bowl streak in history. They're at the top of that list, and Virginia Tech is what eight, ten years behind, and they may lose theirs this year too. So you're looking at a scenario if FSU loses it, where you're at least twenty, twenty-five years away from somebody else breaking it. To me, the the consecutive winning seasons is pretty significant because in the history of football, only one other program has done better than what FSU's done currently. And you'd hate to get this close that far down the line and not at least tie that one with, with the football power that is Notre Dame. And given the fact that it's there, Notre Dame streak ended in the 60s, didn't it? It covered the 30s to the 60s or something. Something like that. I mean, it, it's unbelievable how long and how old that streak is. So, I mean, but that's real... You know, so you'd like to have those brag points, but at the end of the day, what people want to see is championships and teams competing for championships. And you know, you go through the frustration of a year, but when you get removed from it, is there really a lot of difference between nine and three or ten and two, or are you only looking back and remembering the national championship seasons? You know, and well, that's an oversimplification. Go ahead. I'll make one comment. I know we got to get to a break, but I'll make one comment. In all the years that Willie Taggart has been a head coach. He has always called the play, called the plays. So this year has been dramatically negative enough that he's already made a change that he's never made in his head coaching career. So there may be reason to believe there's more quote unquote dramatic changes coming if you lose these two ball games. At least he has given indication that he's not afraid to make some dramatic changes if they're warranted. Well, and he put the quarterback under center last week, too, and that's a significant departure of what he indicated it would be. So uh, I like the fact that he's willing to make changes. Uh, the the counter-argument would be that uh, is that a panic button that you're that you're making those changes right now. But, you know, that's, again, that, well, that's again, the kind well, of thing that, that hindsight, you know, those, these, those are the kind of conversations that when you look in the mirror, it's easy to suggest that you should have turned left instead of right. You know, well, and those are, those, are, those are February and March conversations if you're getting ready for spring. Exactly right. All right, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linefeld is in the on-deck circle. Uh, I think he's got two or three donuts on the bat, so he's warmed up and uh, or continuing to warm up and get ready to go. I should point out uh, that Taco Thursday is tomorrow at Township. Keith, you'll be back in town for that? $2 tacos? Uh, I will be back in town, yes, and that might get put to the top of my list now that I'm informed. Township is turning two, by the way, later this month. They're actually December 1st. They're having their... Uh, Second birthday, and and because this is the kind of things they do, Keith, uh, you know what Gainesville uh, used to be called, right? Back in its, uh, it, I had, it has something to do with swine. Yes, and uh, Hogtown to be precise. And so, guess what Township is doing next Friday, the day before the Florida FSU game? Uh, they're having a hog day. They're having a pig roast because ah, that's what they better. do to get us set for the Gator Knoll game. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will get a set for the BC game when we continue. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Back on Front Row Knowles, we had to crank up the Boston tunes as our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, joins us. Tim, unfortunately, we have to keep changing your walk-up music. You join us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Don. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we just had major feedback there. Can oh, jeez. You... Oh, that, that was a little better, so hopefully you'll hang in. You know, it occurs to me, and we didn't even talk about this in the first segment, but... A lot of what we've been discussing the last few weeks, uh, not the happiest conversations, but all the same stuff that we were talking about after last year's Boston College game in terms of, uh, you know, not being as good as the sum of the parts and, and that sort of thing. I mean, that hasn't changed, and that's, you know, that's a year ago. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I think that, you know, obviously the circumstances are a little different, but the end result, uh, it's, uh, as you said, it's pretty much uh, the same, similar conversation, and uh, it would be a nice opportunity to, to change the conversation a little bit. Uh, I guess uh, I think the Boston College team is uh, you know, probably a little bit better than uh, than the one Florida State played last year. 
Um, but we'll see. Yeah, and I guess the point I was making is, you know, we've seen this under the prior regime, too, not to put this uh, on Jimbo, but we've seen different methods and the same results. So I guess maybe that's why we, we all are scratching our heads. Uh, you know, I think all we can do, Tim, is, is you know, wipe the slate clean with the last three weeks. The players know what's at stake. Um, a better start would certainly help instead of looking up and seeing it be 17-zip with five minutes to go in the first quarter. But I, I was telling Keith, I mean, it's it's almost like we've built Boston College up to be a Super Bowl champion team. They're really good, and they can put it on FSU. But, uh, you know, there's not a reason to think that Florida State couldn't show up and play and have a fighting chance. Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually a really good point. I mean, look, Boston College is a, is a good team. It's probably the best team they've had in a while. Um, I think based on that, based on Florida State's last three opponents, and based on the way those games have gone, yeah, you're right, that it has caused us to inflate uh, our perception of Boston College a little bit, and I don't mean to take anything away from them. Um, but, look, I mean, this is not a Clemson-caliber team. It's not a Notre Dame-caliber team. Uh, NC State beat them earlier this year. Uh, so, it's, yeah, you're not talking about the exact same situation. It's still going to be a challenging game, um, especially when you consider what their strengths are and, and the way they've been playing as of late. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a different type of challenge than what Florida State's had over the last month or so. Tim, are we catching them at the right time? Given the fact that Dylan has a bad ankle and they may be without their quarterback, you hate to uh, say that you beat someone who's not at full strength. But I'll take a victory over anything. No, well, yeah, at this point, I'll say I'll beat anybody. Uh, no, well, you know, even beyond that, Keith. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you on the injury front, but then I just look at the the schedule in general. Uh, and think about Boston College's circumstances. They played Clemson at home uh, on a night game last week, had college game day on campus for the first time, the whole deal. Uh, played that game, I think, about as well and as tough as they could have. Really hung with Clemson uh, for a while, ended up losing 27-7, to which is by far closest, Clemson's closest game in the last month or so. <laughs> you wonder if, given that, the way that, that game and how much they put into it, Given that they've already clinched bowl eligibility, uh, given that they do have some guys banged up, not to say they're not going to come out and play hard, but you wonder if they'll have the same kind of effort and intensity and focus as they have going into last week. Uh, I think, you know, if you're Florida State, you'd be glad for them to not. Uh, I do think that Florida State sometimes, you know, it, it, it's to their detriment that, you know, they're, they're the name Florida State. People see that spear on the helmet and give them their best shot. But, you know, I, I do think it's, it, it, maybe sets up for FSU better with BC having what they've had over the last week than if they had played, you know, like Wake Forest or Louisville or somebody like that in the last week. Well, so if we, after we get the win on Saturday, then we got all the marbles at stake when Florida rolls the town. I mean, I, I like the Florida game in a long time. Yeah, so. I like that. Yeah, exactly. There's actually something hanging in the balance, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, for real, can you imagine, uh, you know, what, the, what kind of the buildup uh, for that game will be and, uh, you know, the pressure on uh, – I mean, really the pressure on both sides for Florida State, obviously, to, to win and, and continue the bowl streak and continue your dominance over Florida. And then for Florida and Dan Mullen, he's lost, what is it, five straight and six of seven. Uh, coming up against an FSU team that's really struggled for much of the year. Uh, you know, I think their fans uh, are going to be expecting them to win. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, some pretty interesting juice to that game if it works out that way. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold right now on rapid fire, Tim, but let's uh, let's talk some different sports here because Florida State, despite the football struggles, has a lot of good things happening right now. Women's hoops is is unbeaten early on, very young team for Coach Sue. The men's team is unbeaten. I guess I'll stop there and let you weigh in. Any early season impressions on either side on the on the hardwood here? Well, I'd like to talk a little quick about the, the men's team. I thought that the way that, uh, that they played and handled themselves on the road at Tulane last week was pretty impressive. Uh, just given, uh, you know, kind of a similar vein to what we were talking about a second ago, uh, you, you come off an emotional win uh, at home in front of a huge crowd. Everybody's all amped up for it. Uh, and then you go on the road to a non-Power 5 team and, and play in front of 3,000 people. It would be really easy to come out flat, uh, not be as engaged, not be as sharp. And I know Tulane hung around for a little while. They had, a, they had a, one, one player in particular uh, who uh, had a really nice night. And looks like he's a pretty quality player. But by and large, uh, that's a Florida State had the look to me of a veteran team that went on the road and did exactly what it was supposed to do. And you know, even during it, you know, the, the sort of you know downward lulls of a, of a basketball game, they were never really threatened and, and never uh, you know, never looked like a team that had any uh, had any uh, any way of or any path of getting upset. And so uh, you know, that's uh, that's pretty impressive for them. 
uh, you know, a sign of maturity, a sign of, of being able to handle prosperity, uh, which I think has, you know, been a big step forward for the program over the last few years. And so, uh, yeah, not to make too much out of a win at, at Tulane, but, uh, but I thought that was pretty impressive for them. And then on the soccer pitch, Florida State got a number one seed, already won in the first round, so potentially they're playing two games this weekend to get into the Elite Eight. Uh, what do you think about – I mean, it feels like they're starting to click, or, and I don't know if they're going to have their keeper back, but it feels like things are coming together at the right time for them. Yeah, well, the, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, having the keeper, Brooke Bollinger, whether she's able to play or not, I think is, is going to be a big question. It's, I don't know if you notice, it's a really loaded, uh, I guess, quartet. Uh, if you will, with teams uh, here on uh, here this weekend between Florida State, uh, LSU, USF, there's a, a you know, handful of nationally ranked teams and some matchups that uh, that I think you probably wouldn't expect until later in an NCAA tournament, and uh, so they're happening here this weekend, and it's, it's going to be a challenge. I think you know Florida State's playing really well uh, lately, and and I think they kind of expect you know usually when they get in these tournaments and it's early uh, in the in the tournament, you know a lot of times teams will sort of play behind the ball and, and, and park the bus as the terminology goes and, and sort of make Florida State throw shots to a brick wall and then hope something goes their way. But I believe the expectation this weekend is that there's some teams uh, in the in the pod or whatever you would call it that actually intend to to, to attack and, and play offensive-minded soccer and, and, and you know, try to go for it, uh, which was certainly as exciting, but also I think kind of plays in the Florida State's hands a little bit. And then the volleyball team, and uh, we referenced this coming up in rapid fire. We were off on our dates, but they're still alive. They play Pitt this weekend, and if, I guess Friday is the, the the home finale. If they win that and then win out on the road two more games, they're ACC champs. That's right. My, yeah, my, my understanding is that if, if Florida State wins and wins out, uh, and depending on what Pitt does, they can they would share the ACC uh, title with Pitt, but, but no worse than that. And so uh, – you know, really, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround for them. I mean, they got off to a pretty tough start to the season, uh, and and you know, people were sort of wondering what was going on. And you know, program that had been had a pretty proud run over the last few years, uh, and the way they've been able to turn around and really kind of sort of dominate is the word, but maybe a step or two short of dominate uh, in the ACC uh, again. Uh, you know, speaks to them and their resolve and, and and the way they were able to kind of overcome that and, and get together. And you know, now you're you're talking about yet another team competing for an ACC championship. And we'll talk cross-country in our next segment because they had a big weekend last weekend and are headed to Nationals. Keith, uh, if you're wondering where he is, he's uh, he's on the road. KJ, you're, you're still in Perry, is that correct? I am still in Perry, and it's raining. Are you parked by the Huddle House, or where exactly are you? I mean, if no, somebody's like driving said, by I'm listening. miles south, I'm by an abandoned restaurant somewhere on the edge of the old scrub or something. I don't know. There, was, uh, there were three, three hooligans that went by, but they left me alone. Okay, so are you, are you safe? Are you okay? I, I think I'm good. I, doors are locked, lights are off. Uh, I can All put right. it in gear and take off if I need to. All right, well, be careful out there, buddy. All right, so folks uh, driving that way, if anything looks suspicious, it's just Keith, and he always looks suspicious. It's nothing new. All I right. heard that. I'm right here. Let's check uh, rapid fire in grade 10. Are you still going to handle the grading, Keith, even from your remote location? I'll, I'll, I'll concede that to you for this time, so you're, you, you hold the pencil. All right, take it away. The starting quarterback for Florida State will be Francois or Blackman. Francois. Will Florida State have a running back go over 100 yards rushing? No. Will I take a selfie with the leprechaun? Yes. The temperature over under is 30 and a half degrees. Under. Will it snow? Yes. Number of layers of clothing I will be wearing over and under is three and a half. Over, I hope. Number of catches for Terry, bearing in mind the weather, and I'm setting that at three and a half. Over. P.J. Savoy was the leading scorer last night. Is that correct? Yes. Will P.J. have more points against Tulane on Sunday or the FSU football team score more points against Notre Dame? Who's going to have more points? P.J. Number of goals for the Florida State soccer team will score in its uh, NCAA opener this week against Loyola Chicago over under four and a half. Under. And will the volleyball team be ACC champions when we talk next week? Yes. All right, we won't actually count that last one wrong. I just gave the qualifier on that. Uh, and, and, Tim, in full disclosure, I, at one point I saw the leprechaun, but he was on the other side of the field, and it was too damn cold to walk all the way over there. So uh, you could say that I manipulated that one, but it was too damn cold to walk around the field and find the leprechaun and take us. And second. I would also like a caveat in that it did snow in South Bend while the team was up there. There was snow on the ground. Did it snow during the game? 
That was that the question? Ooh, are we back at the betting window trying to plead our That's case once more? Yeah, I hear you. Well, this I did hear this. Uh, Ricky Aguayo picked up some of that snow that was on the side of the field and pointed out it's the first time in his life he'd seen snow. So how does that make you feel when your kicker's on the road in that scenario? Never seen snow. Yeah, you know, hey, he didn't have to do a whole lot. Well, Tim, it's, it's a good still good thing because he didn't do a whole lot. It's still your worst perform. Well, and based on the way the games are going, there's not going to be any pressure kicks coming anytime soon. I'd like to change that. I mean, we actually beat BC on a pressure kick not too long ago. I guess that was 2014, That's true. right? That's true. All right, Tim, here's the situation. Next week is Thanksgiving week, and uh, I'm going to be on the road. I don't know where you're going to be. Keith's going to be somewhere else. It's going to be hard to do a true rapid fire uh, next week. So we're we're not going to grade these questions until two weeks, which will be post-Florida. And so they're not as specific to the BC game. They're more specific to 1981, which is the last time FSU didn't make a bowl. And okay. so, so hopefully by the time we grade this, it, it won't matter because Florida State will have that bowl streak alive. But uh, this is really testing general. This is more trivial pursuit than FSU knowledge. Although there's a, f- a few FSU questions mixed in. So are you ready? All right. All right. All right here we go. 1981, last time FSU didn't make a bowl. Uh, the source, by the way, is in the 80s.com for this information. The cost of a stamp was over under 19 and a half cents. Under. The cost of a loaf of bread was over under sixty and a half cents. Sixty or sixteen? Six zero and a half. Over. The cost of a gallon of gas was over under a dollar twenty five point nine, I guess I should say, right? Um, that's under. Uh the average income was over under fourteen thousand dollars. Golly. Uh under? The cost of a gallon of milk was over under a dollar seventy-five and a half. Under. FSU's starting quarterback. This is fill in the blank in nineteen eighty-one. Was that uh, Kelly Lowry? FSU's overall record in nineteen eighty-one was six and five. I think they did have a winning record. I know that. World Series champions that year. Uh. I guess uh, the Reds. NBA champs. Uh, man, kill me. The uh, Lakers. All right, I'll go, I'll go one that you, you know. How about the Stanley Cup? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, in that year, it's probably the Islanders. Uh, I'll just I'll tell you you got that one right. That was a good guess. You threw right? up a hail mary. Right. You got it. And just just so you can make it two in a row, uh, I'll give I'll, we'll count both the BC and the Florida games. Will FSU have a one hundred yard rusher in either of those games? No. All right, there you go. So we won't grade this for two weeks. Good job. Uh, I do want to qualify, and Keith, you can weigh in on this. Uh, Kelly Lowry might have started a game or two that year, but he was not the predominant starting quarterback. Is that right? That Keith? is correct. One of my former teammates was the actual starter in '81. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Gotcha. and so I, uh, you know, next when we do this in two weeks, Tim, you'll be up with the betting counter again, saying that I didn't specify enough on the question. Yeah, and, and, and now that you say it, I think I know who it is. But uh, but we can we can wait and see that cliffhanger. Going. Yeah, yeah, he might be a coach right now. Uh, if that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. Uh, I will see you this week. I was going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, but I'll see you on Saturday. We got more shows to do together. So uh, until then, happy trails. I appreciate it, folks. Keith, uh, stay safe. Uh, We'll reconvene shortly uh, as we continue on Front Row Knowles. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block with you. Keith Jones will uh, rejoin me next segment. We're going to talk a little Florida State cross-country. The men's and women's teams had a banner weekend last weekend at the uh, South Regional. Uh, There was a period of time uh, 10 or 12 years ago when the Florida State women finished in the top three or four in the country on an annual basis. Uh, The program dipped a little bit right back into the Nationals after a fantastic uh, run last week. Uh, Congrats to the men and women. And uh, we're we're joined by one of the, the key runners on the florida state cross-country team megan mooney megan how are you i'm great how are you doing i'm doing well so at this point uh, you know the the haze in the barn in terms of most of your work but just out of curiosity you know what was your your run today i know there's nationals coming up in a few days so it's probably pretty light right (laughs) 
Yeah, this morning we just had uh, an easy run, 30 to 40 minutes, uh, which was about five miles for most of us. So just trying to ease the legs into nationals on Saturday. Well, let me try and set the scene, and I was not there, though I, I, a couple years ago I, I was fortunate enough to call the, cross, the ACC cross-country championships uh, here in Tallahassee on, on what was your home course. Uh, I'm told, and the way this works, for, and there's a big running community in Tallahassee, but, but fans that may not follow cross-country may not be aware that in terms of advancing to the nationals, the top two teams from each region advance, and then there's some at-large teams. So you want to you finish in the top two. So it's my understanding that FSU was third – uh, with about a thousand meters to go, and then you managed to move up fifteen spots, which moved Florida State into the top spot by the time everything was counted up. So, a congratulations, and B, I'm sure you probably didn't necessarily know where you were, but you knew you had some work to do. So, just walk us through that last thousand meters of the race. Yeah. Um, so coming around at about four k, our head coach Kelly Phillips was there, and she was yelling at us that we were winning and maintain your spot and that kind of stuff and then we came around at the 5k and the men's coach bob brayman uh started yelling at us you're in third you gotta go you gotta go and so i knew i had to pick up some spots based on who i could see ahead of me uh what teams were around me and whatnot but uh i honestly didn't know i made that big of a difference in the last thousand but now i after the fact i know it paid off because we got that championship, and we're going to NCAAs. So, well, congratu- congratulations on that. Thank and I, you. I, I know you're you're a legacy at Florida State, and that uh, both your mom and dad were were uh, athletes, and I guess runners here at, at FSU. So, I presume that's how you ended up in the Garnet and Gold as well. Yes, I grew up loving the Knolls and uh, visiting Tallahassee every few years, and it's a great place. I love it. So, the Nationals are this Saturday. And they're at uh, hosted by the University of Wisconsin Madison, and um, I believe you did. You run earlier this year in the pre nationals up there, and if so, what's you know what kind of course is it that you're looking forward to? Yeah, the women's team. We got to go up there about a month and a half ago to check it out. Um, it's a tough course, hilly, um, all grass, and I think we have the right training behind us in order to do some good things there and. Being able to see the course earlier this season is really going to help us succeed this Saturday. How's the weather forecast look? Oh, we're not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that means you've looked at it if you gave me that answer. We have, yes. Uh, I think it's a high of 34 on Saturday, and we race in the morning, so it's going to be pretty chilly. Well, but if I'm not mistaken, you're from Colorado, so you've got some of that in you. You've done some cold weather running. That is true, yeah. I think the Florida weather's made me a little bit of a wimp, but we'll see. When you talk about you have enough training uh, under your belt to, to you know to perform well this weekend, you know, runners know this, and, and despite, for those of you who know me, when you look at me now, I used to run some back in the day. Um, <laughs> walk us, th- you know, run us through what your, your training schedule is like, uh, you know, over the course of the season. Yeah, so typically we do two workouts a week. Um, in the beginning of the season, it's a little more um, volume and intensity, um, just trying to get the base miles behind us and, uh, Typically, we'll get one off day a week, and that is up to us if we want to run or not on that day, just to loosen up the legs. Um, But we have a long run on every weekend, and that can be up to 14 miles for some of the girls. Uh, Most of us are training between 40 to 60 miles a week. And so by this time in the season, uh, a lot of people are usually starting to fall apart or get little injuries, and we've been lucky to have our, our top eight be really healthy this year. We're talking with Megan Mooney, who's a junior on Florida State's cross-country team. I, I mentioned that there was a period of time where Florida State was on the podium every year. Uh, I guess starting 10 or 11 years ago, I mean, Florida State finished third, third, second, second, fourth, fourth, um, yeah. And, and then and then dipped a little. Based on the roster composition and the rebuild under a, a fairly new coach, uh, is Florida State headed back in that direction where it can become a regular occurrence to get to that level? Yeah, I think we're definitely headed in that direction. Uh, this year is 
the start of another run for NCAAs and to get there every year from now on, that's definitely the goal and, and where the program is headed. Um, we're only going to lose two seniors. And so that's motivating for the rest of us to kind of fill in where they are leaving and to really work on our recruiting in order to get girls who can also fill in those spots. And looking ahead at the schedule, I know you won't be, uh, you know, on the team for all of this, but I guess we're a couple years away from FSU hosting the, the cross-country national championships out at Appalachie Park. That's a pretty big deal for FSU and for Tallahassee. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, I know I won't be here like you said, but I want to come back for it. I'm excited. I think in a few years um, when it when we're hosting nationals, we can we can make some noise. I'm excited for it to be here. And the Knowles, I know, will represent when it's at our home course like we did this past weekend at regionals. Let's bring it back. And just for further context, I'm trying to think, and I've been around these parts for a while. I, I remember FSU hosting women's tennis national championships probably in the 90s uh, when the when the Spiker Center first opened. And baseball and softball host regionals and Nash, I mean regionals and super regionals, but the nationals are at a, mm. uh, a neutral site. So I, I, I don't know – what else beyond that may have hosted uh, a national championship. So that is a good good feather in the cap for FSU. Going back to this Saturday, so your race is 6,000 meters. Uh, you know, get, what, what's, how long does that take? How do, you, how do you set out and run that? I mean, is it, uh, you know, fast early on and then you kind of settle in and then pick up at the end? I mean, is there a normal strategy or it's, it's just different race to race depending on how people get out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends each race what teams are there who we're competing against, what the course is like. Um, typically, we've been trying to pack run where we can uh, run with each other because we know each other's strengths and weaknesses within our team. Um, but I think this weekend it's really going to be just going for it and who can gut it out. I, you know, I mentioned that you guys uh, stormed from behind to win last week, and you, and you ended up beating Ole Miss in Florida. I should know this, but I don't. Did did Florida squeeze in as an at-large for the Nationals, or did you just end their season last week? I should have started there. <laughs> we um, They got second, so they okay. also got the automatic qualification, but Ole Miss and Georgia Tech did receive at-large bids from our region. Okay, so what's a realistic uh, goal in terms of where you think the team can finish? Uh, we've set our goal for top 20. I think we can do better than that, and obviously we want to get as high as possible, but based off of some of the region results and how our season has gone, top 20 is is in our reach. And so when all is said and done after this, especially if you if you get that top 20 goal, do you go out and have a burger and take a couple days off from running, or do you just, you know, right on Monday you're back out there putting 12 miles in the bank? <laughs> well, you're definitely going to take a nice two-week break, um, go out for some milkshakes together, you know, maybe a burger and fries like you said, but we're going to enjoy some time off before we start getting ready for track. Well, and it's it's well-deserved and well-earned. Congratulations on the, the come-from-behind win last week. Best of luck. I hope you guys uh, find a warm front or a warm front finds <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, and, uh, and you guys uh, do terrific this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Megan Mooney from the uh, cross-country team. Uh, back in the Nationals, first time in, in several years that both the FSU men and women have, uh, have both qualified. The women won their regional. I think the men finished second. Uh, but that's good news there. If you If you follow the Director's Cup, you know, part of the the success Florida State has had, there were a lot of years in a row where the women's cross-country team was posting more points than any other program at FSU by virtue of finishing second or third in the country uh, and uh, had a coaching transition and uh, now building things back up. So we wish Megan and her teammates the best of luck this weekend. Okay, if you didn't want to hear any talk about running, don't worry. Keith will rejoin us next segment. I can guarantee you that we will not discuss running or jogging with Keith Jones when Front Row Knowles continues after this. Back on Front Row Knowles, KJ, all still good in, in Perry? Well, we've relocated. Um, 
I had a guy come up. He had a banjo and no front teeth, and he was peering in the drive the passenger window. So I decided I needed to move. Well, you're equipped. You're from Wildwood, so you're in good shape. There you go. There you go. Uh, we talked a but little. All's good. We talked a little cross-country last segment, and I guaranteed our listeners we wouldn't continue the running conversation as you and I uh, continued in this segment because we have nothing bum, to bum, add bum. to it. Exactly. All right, so so where do you want to go based on, on uh, the conversation with Tim and, and where we started in terms of what Florida State needs to do uh, to get – I, I guess I'll, I'll set it up this way, Keith. I mean, you're, uh, you're a defensive guy at heart, and so I know it's crushed your heart the last few weeks to watch how this defense has played, particularly just not being gap sound. Because some of this is maybe you're not the most skilled or maybe you're not as strong as you want to be, but a lot of this is controllable if you're disciplined and play right. And most of it is because they're trying to do too much. You know, we talked about how the effort was lacking against Clemson, but I thought the effort was good in the last two ball games. It's just that they're trying to do too much. You'll see a linebacker that's supposed to be in the A-gap We'll, we'll look at a play that looks like it's going outside. He'll jump to the B-gap, and then they'll they'll cut it back inside against the grain right up the A-gap where he was supposed to be. Just play ball. Don't try to do too much. Play one play at a time. Do your job. Expect everybody else to do theirs and see what happens. How would you handle a team like BC that might have its second-string quarterback? And you know that their MO is just to shove it down your throat. I mean, do you, do you, well, in other words, do you stack the box more or does that just leave you ripe for getting burned the other way? Well, I, I stack the box more unless and until they start using the slot receivers, which has been Florida State's Achilles heel. As we mentioned previously, with Taylor out, well, however good he's performed, he is your number one corner. Nazrul Dean is, is nicked up. We don't know if he's going to play. If they go too wide and a tight end, and, 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 uh, and two in the backfield, put nine in the box and make them run it down your throat. Only get out of that once they make you get out of it by throwing the ball or proving they can throw the ball. And just play fundamental. This, this should be, Tommy, this should be an old-fashioned football game with uh, nine or ten possessions. Whoever punts the ball best or you know makes something happen in the kicking game will get an advantage. And whoever can control the line of scrimmage and run the football should win the ball game. You don't expect Florida State to do that, but at the same time, there's no reason why they can't do that if they put their mind to it. Yeah, that's sort of where I where where my mindset is on it too, because um, it's not like they're completely outclassed by BC. But that said, BC is you know BC believes, uh, and they're not making the mistakes that Florida State is. Last week was a pretty clean game from a penalty standpoint. But you Much just improved. You're correct. But you can't turn the ball over and let BC start at the three yard line and then start. I mean, like Notre Dame did at the three and at the nineteen or whatever it was. At one point, Notre Dame had sixty five yards of total offense and seventeen points. Yeah, I mean that's tough on it. And and even though the defense, after every game, says it's our job to stop them no matter no matter where they start, uh, it's one thing to say that it's tougher mentally to to stay in the right frame of mind to do that given how well, this season mentally played. just 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 do the metrics. You know, right? What is the percentage of offenses in the United States that score when they get the ball handed to them with a three-yard drive? Well, unfortunately, Florida State couldn't score from the three last week. I know that's not where they started. Uh, Florida State had been, you and I have talked about this, better in the red zone. Uh, trouble getting to the red zone clearly, but had converted a pretty decent amount in the red zone, particularly touchdowns over the last six games or so, until last week. Last week, uh, I liked some of the changes there, bringing the defensive line in, putting the quarterback under center, uh, and it was sort of mixed results. It worked one short yardage, didn't work at the goal line, and and that's, you know, those are points you've got to have. And very much, and the drop passes, we had not seen Florida State's receivers put the ball on the ground. Uh, there must have been eight. Maybe maybe nine drop passes in that ball game. That certainly is not going to help your quarterback's completion percentage. Yeah, I think technically there probably were that many. You and I have talked about if it was a more catchable ball, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't grade if you graded on a curve, you wouldn't get to eight or nine. But but Terry in particular dropped several, uh, and those I would say were catchable. I think he dropped Very four. Uh, Very much. Ontario dropped one that hit him right in the bread basket, literally. Some of the other ones, uh, including the initial interception, that was that was rocketed and maybe needed a little uh, less pace on it. 
So, you know, is this a pull-out every stop type game, Keith? I mean, we saw Cam Akers in the wild cam, but is this a – if there's a fake field goal in the toolbox, if there's a fake punt, if you're going to return the kick, do you try a reverse? I mean, is it just pull everything out? Yes. you got nothing to lose, Tommy. And, and everything to win, no pun intended, by keeping that bowl streak alive. If you're going to get beat 35-3, to which, by the way, was the score last year against Boston College, then go down swinging with everything you got. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Let me take a second before we wrap up to mention that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200. Visit them online at ctf.nu. We've been trying to enlist their services all year to reconstruct the offense, and, and maybe uh, they got together this week and they've uh, they've constructed something that will work against B.C. Maybe just a plaster patch for the offensive line of some sort. What do you think? Whatever it takes. It will be uh, it'll be interesting. B.C. at 3.30, Florida at noon. In between, you and I will spend some quality time together in Orlando with the FSU basketball team over Thanksgiving. Another holiday we get to spend together, K.J.? Uh, you know, when I look back on my Thanksgivings and Christmases with you, uh, I look back on my Thanksgiving and Christmases with you. Yes, I, I and and I do the same with you. Uh, coming up next on uh, 97.9 ESPN Radio, NCAA basketball from the Westwood One Sports Network, a rematch of the national title game between Michigan and Villanova, and uh, we'll join first half action uh, after a short break when we finish up. I mentioned Villanova there, Keith. Florida State, I don't know if people have really turned their minds and their calendars to basketball season, FSU might play Villanova ten days from now. Uh, if that well, term- remember they lo- they lost to they lost to Michigan by in a game that they could have won that would have got them in the Final Four. And then you're exactly right in this Advocare tournament down in Orlando. If things go FSU's way, they would end up playing Villanova on Sunday in the championship game. My wife and I might have some issues over the next ten days. By the way, Keith, because. Uh, women's basketball is playing LSU on Sunday. Depending on how soccer plays out, soccer might play LSU on Sunday. And then in that tournament, Good Friday, not Good Friday, Black Friday, boy, there's a mix-up, right? The day after Thanksgiving, uh, LSU might play FSU in hoops that day on the men's side. So wish me luck. Well, Tommy, you were aware of that connection when you asked her to marry you, so I'm not going to even wish you luck. You knew what you were getting into. Yes, but I didn't know she was going to say yes. So, I mean, here we are, however many years later, still there, right? What, you were expecting her to say no? I was being facetious, KJ. Okay, just making sure. It's like a lawyer. you got to know the answer to the question before you ask it, right? That is correct, sir. Speaking of which, where are you now? I am in the thriving metropolis of Perry. All right, safe travels to you. Will do. I'll see you Saturday uh, at Doak. Folks, we do this uh, each and every Wednesday at 6, including next Wednesday. Uh, It'll be a little unconventional, but we'll get you a show. We'll also have our first look edition uh, wrapping up the BC game. Hopefully, somehow, Florida State finds a way to to stay alive for another week. It is really like an elimination scenario uh, with Boston College coming to town. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.